Hey everybody, Rev DDT here. <laughs> right on. So I'm just kicking back and uh, it's podcast day. So got some stuff stirring in my heart. So let's get right on into it. So this uh, podcast is about. Um, this cast is about. Uh, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, in some of Paul's writings in the New Testament, he talks about um, in one of his uh, scriptures. It was. Uh, let's see. God will choose uh, base things of the world to confound the wise. Well, that's what this podcast is kind of about. Actually, it really is about that. Um, not the scripture, but about that, that, that frame of thought. God using the base things of the world to confound the wise. Okay? Those who perceive that they are wiser than other people are actually walking in pride when they do that. Mm. My IQ is really high. I've got the highest IQ in the country. Oh, you know, praise me. Uh, Donald Trump, actually. Quoting Donald Trump there. And I kind of misquoted him, but, you know, yeah, paraphrased. Anyway, paraphrased quote. So here we go. So uh, I got a lot of stories because I've had a lot of different... Uh, Really, I've been fortunate to have a lot of really cool things happen, and I've been in some pretty cool places to have those cool things happen, and some pretty unusual places too as well, as well as some pretty strange places to have some very strange things happen as well. And so, um, a little variety, of a little about, a little bit of everything. Hey, man, I'm just an active person. I get around. I do a lot of stuff. Um, meet a lot of people. Travel a lot, and uh, you know, in America, here in the USA. And um, so, anyway, so I've, I've been exposed to a lot, a lot of strange things. Um, if you want somebody to confess your sins to, confess them to the Lord. But if you need somebody, a brother to pray with, you can pray with me. I'll pray with you. There is not one thing at all you can shock me with. Nothing. There ain't nothing you can shock me with. I'll guarantee you there's nothing you can shock me with. Nothing. I've heard it all, seen it all, been there, exposed to it, watched it, you know, prayed about it, you know, whatever. You, you can't shock me, okay? So, um, and I keep secrets. I don't tell anybody anything anybody tells me at all when they pray with me. Somebody comes confess their sins, because then James says, "Confess your sins one to another, so you may be healed." Well, that's that's a good, that's good, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but uh, you got to watch who you confess to, because some people you confess to, mm, they might just like uh, say that their very thing you confess to the wrong person, or maybe the right person, and it could fuck your whole life all the fuck up. I've had that happen to me too many damn times. So I don't trust anybody. But I do trust the Lord, and there are a few friends I do trust that I can pray with that I know they will keep the secret because they're secret keepers like I am. I've been keeping secrets ever since I was a little kid. Uh, first babysitter. I won't tell you what she said to me, but I've been keeping her secret. I'm still keeping it. She told me, she says, don't tell my dad. I said, okay. Now, um, nobody knows who that is except for my mom and my brother, maybe. You might remember. And um, the first babysitter, if she's still alive. And if she is... So keep your secret, baby. I love you. Anyway, here we go. So, God could use you in some of the most strangest and unusual ways, and in some of the ways... He may, you may even understand the way He's using you. You may not even get it at the time. You may pick up on it later on in life, you know, like cross paths with something. I'll see you go, oh, okay, I see. And the picture gets bigger when you see, you know. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So, I was... Uh, Traveling around, it was in California back. I, was, I left here. I was gone for about 11 years. I had to get away from uh, my crazy mom when she was going crazy and get out of this uh, crazy hot box city that I was living in. The summer's too hot here and the winter's too cold. And, and boy, I tell you what, my body's affected by it, especially the winters. Oh, man, it hurts here when it, and the winter hurts and it's coming too. Um, spent a lot of time praying for things like rain, things like that, snow, stuff like that in the seasons. And yeah, it comes. God, God answers prayer. I'm telling you, He answers prayer, man. If you guys don't believe God answers prayer, why don't you just test him on it? Start praying. But pray with faith because you're not gonna he's not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere if you don't pray with faith. You gotta pray with faith. You gotta pray believing he's gonna you're gonna receive what you get and you will have what you ask for in prayer. That's Jesus' words, man. 
You think you think Jesus came down here? He came down here with with the doctrine of God to give us some other doctrine? No. That's why I have a hard time with some of the New Testament writings that go against the doctrine of Christ. Directly against it. Like, okay, here's one. And you guys have heard this before. I've said it before. Men ruling over men. We're all the same, the Lord said. He, we have one shepherd, period. We're not to rule over each other. Flat out said that. Don't. And they do. Just go to church and do, stand up and start prophesying in the middle of the sermon. And guess what? You'll either get kicked out, walked off into a side room for prayer. Oh, I've got to go to the prayer room now. Here we go. Yeah, something will happen. They won't listen to you. Nine times out of ten, they won't. That one time they may. Oh, man, thank God they got ears to hear. Lord, give us all ears to hear. Open my ears and my eyes, Father. Open up my I open my discernment. Give me more discernment, Father God. More discernment. Thank you for your discernment that you do give me. And thank you for the more that's coming. Thank you for your wisdom, the wisdom that comes from you, Father God. The wisdom that comes down out of heaven. That's quoting James, by the way. He talked about that. The wisdom from God comes down from above. It's not earthly wisdom, which is sensual and demonic, he said. Wow. Sensual and demonic, earthly wisdom is? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Just start looking at it. You'll see the difference. You'll see it. If you just really analyze it, you'll see it. Just really take a close look at earthly wisdom. Take a close look at godly wisdom. There's a stark difference. And it's true. Let God be truthful and all men be liars. Amen? Amen. God is truthful, and guess what? Right in the middle of your Bible, if you take the scriptures, only the scriptures themselves, and divide it, you'll find Psalm 118, 8 and 118, 9. 118.8 says, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, I'll probably say it, you probably hear it a million times. Better to put your trust in the Lord than to put your trust in men. Psalm 118.9 says, Better put your trust in the Lord than to put trust in princes. Now, princes are any kind of ruler that's ruling over you on this land. Well, guess what? Jesus said, don't... We're not, the church isn't, the people of God are not supposed to be ruling over each other. But what the hell are we doing ruling over each other? Acting like devils? Oh, I would say so. You know what authority he gave us? Not over each other. There's no authority over another man or woman or anything. Or, well, you know, you kind of have it over your children until a certain age. But I'm going to guarantee you that it's over the kingdom of darkness. Just like Jesus said. He gave us authority over the kingdom of darkness. Over Satan's kingdom which he has authority over, period, and he has authority over us too, and he gave us the authority over his, over only one kingdom. One, not two. One, not a whole bunch of people, but demons and devils and crap like that. Quit ruling over each other because you're making people miserable. You're screwing things up and you're also ruining the testimony of the Lord in your own life and other people's lives too as well. Now, i got to say something. I want to say something right now. Where is Benny Hinn and these other freaking healers that are supposed to be world healers that are making all this money off the people because, oh, they're healing everybody, you know? How many lives have they sown? Where are they at right now while this coronavirus is going on? Oh, are they hiding? Come on, Benny, where are you at, buddy? I'd say he's a false prophet. Are you hiding, Benny? Where are you at? Come on out of the hiding place, Benny. Benny and the boys. Come on, all you guys, all you healers, you faith healers. Where are you at? People are freaking dying from this damn virus. Where are you at? Hiding under your freaking, hiding in your houses, hiding in your mansions. God curse you. Lord spit you out of his mouth when he cursed the earth. He spit on the earth and cursed it. All the false prophets cursed. I'll tell you right, right now, they're not a blessing. They're a curse. They're a curse to mankind. They're a thorn. 
a thorn. They are a thorn. They are not a fruit. They are not a fruit. Where are they at then? Bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out. Come on out, guys. Come on out. Start healing people. Then maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'll change my mind on what I just said. But I'm not going to go and do that until I see something move. And I'm talking about that virus off this earth, away from these people, away from us. Now, if you got the virus, I'm sorry, man, and I'm praying for you. Believe me, I'm praying all day, every day. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm nobody special. You know, I, I can pray tongues, you know, most of the time. But it, the truth of it is, I'm still, I still miss it. I still miss the mark too. But I'm not going to stand there and call myself a healer and take money from people, take money from people, accept money from people, when I know I'm not doing God's will. When I know that I'm not the healer, Christ is. When I, when I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to take that money and spend it on myself. I'm going to send it back and say, bless the Lord, give it to the poor, because the poor need it more than I do. Because there's people on this earth, I've got a neighbor right down here that I, I love. I lo- absolutely love him. A lot of people don't like the guy. I love him. I, I like everybody, though. I don't care what you did. I don't, none of that stuff matters. It's face value. What's in your heart? That's what I'm looking at. That's what God looks at. Why should I look at anything else? Oh, they don't like the guy because he's poor and he, he has a dirty house. Or, you know, it's pretty trashy, but he has a dirty house and he doesn't, you know, he, he, you know, he's often on drug, often on drugs or whatever, you know, whatever, you know. People like turn their nose up at him because he uses drugs and stuff. And I'm like, do you use an aspirin for a headache? Yeah, you freaking fucking hypocrite. Get the fuck out of my face. That's hypocritic, man. It's still a freaking drug if you're using a freaking aspirin for a headache. Don't freaking get all freaking high and mighty and say, well, drug addicts and drug dealers need to all go to hell because they're all bitch bad people. No, they're not. They're people that are wounded. What do you think they're on them? Wounded hearts seek medication. Wounded bodies seek medication. Wounded heads. You don't got a headache. It's a wound. Basically kind of a wound. You're seeking something to relieve that headache, right? Either sleep, food, or... Or cracking your neck, you know, because I, I get headaches and I need to crack my neck usually, then crack it and it goes away. And, um, and or an aspirin or something, right? You're seeking some kind of relief. What do you think a drug addict does? You're seeking. Oh, you think, oh, he's just, and you hear this in church, oh, they're just looking for the same high they had when they first got the first high. Bullshit, that's not what they're doing. I know, because I'm a drug addict, and that's not what I'm doing. And I talk to them, and that's not what they're doing. Most of us have wounded hearts. 90% have wounded hearts. I haven't gone back right across one person yet that doesn't and didn't because of that reason or didn't, start, excuse me, and started using for another reason other than that. Okay, let's get back to the podcast. That's just a little side note there. Okay, so anyway, I'm in, I'm in California. I go from there to Chicago. I'm living in Chicago for a few years in a Christian community. And, um, you know, there were some problems there in that community, uh, problems I didn't even, wasn't even aware of until a few years after I'd gone. Um, and uh, which some people, and it all depends on your, who you are and your experience. But some people had good experiences there, some people had bad. I had good and then a tiny bit of bad, but it wasn't too bad. You know, dealing with bullies. You know, there was a bully that was bullying me. But uh, that's not the story, though. The story goes like this. So I'm in this community, right? I just got there, and uh, I was working the phones at night. Answering phones, basically, people call all night long. Some of them call, and they're suicidal. And I'm, I love talking to people that are suicidal, because I was suicidal, and God, like, took that away. Gave me, um, gave me hope. I didn't have any hope. Suicidal people don't have hope. Uh, it's not a lack of faith. It's a lack of hope. I, I got faith in God, but I have no hope inside of me. The hope, you have to have hope to live, man. You have to have it to live. Otherwise, you just want to die all the time. And when people are fucking beating you down and fucking treating you like crap all the time and never understanding you like your family might not. Ooh, I know I was raised in a family just like that. Brother hated me when I was growing up. 
Mother hated me, treated me like crap, told me she hated me many times. Stepfather, uh, pretty much absent. He was dealing with some uh, other health issues, but, you know, pretty much absent. Um, my friends, they were all right. A few of them were bullies, but they are still my friends because, you know, we were neighborhood friends and stuff. I had like one, two friends that were so cool to me, man, though, and their parents were cool to me. It just changed my life. It always gave me hope, you know. So anyway, I'm in Chicago, and um, I'm answering the phones at night. One night I get a phone call. It's about 12, 12 o'clock midnight, maybe 1 in the morning, getting closer to 1. You know, and I'm, 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 it's in the winter. I'm presiding over a, a lobby full of homeless men. There are 60 of them sleeping on the floor in, the whole, in, in there in our lobby. You know, we're praying for a bigger building and a place where we can house them and stuff, but they come to us, you know, peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, anytime you want them, uh, bowl of soup, rice and beans, whatever. We always had food to give them. We always had clothes to get some clothes and stuff like that. But they'd show up there at night and they'd fill the lobby up and, you know, it was like a little mission. They're all sleeping on the floor and, yeah, pretty reeky and everybody's in there farting and shit. You know? It's pretty pretty messed up. And I'm walking out, whoa, whoa get some air, you know, go back in, answer the phones, you know, for a while. I'm, oh, back out to get some air. And, then, you know, it was pretty hard. But, but, you know, it was better than where I was, sleeping in ditches, you know, so. And um, it's expensive in California to live, especially in San Diego. But I love it there, man. Ooh, man, is it paradise. So here I am, answering phones, and I get this phone call, right? Now, I'm living with Resurrection Band, Res Band, right? This is who I'm living with. They live there. I hardly saw them, but they live there. Uh, there's like 500 people, men and women living there, and then a bunch of children, you know, a couple of hundred children. And um, they live in there, too, as well. And then, uh, then the brothers and the sisters still live there, too, as well. You know, um, families, you know, there's a mixture of people. There's a community of people there. Black, white, green, orange, pink, brown, whatever color you want to be, they were there, too, you know. Um, you know, <laughs> variety of people is what I'm saying. Like, open up your M&Ms. That's what I all look like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, different colors. So, anyway, every get along was all great. I love that place, man. I love it. Man, I love that place. It was really cool. Then it was cool. Probably is still now, but... You know, that was a different time. So here I'm answering the phone. This guy calls and he's doing a radio show somewhere down south. I don't know. I think it was Atlanta or somewhere like that. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't remember exactly where. But he goes, hey, uh, can you get Glenn Kaiser on the phone? I got it. I got it. I'm on. A, I'm a radio I'm a radio uh, host right here. And I, I'm going to put him live on the radio with, uh, we're going to do a, a show right now. And I'm going to do the show. It's going to be, uh, now, there was a guy. There was a pastor, man. And a whole group of Baptist people that were completely dead against Christian rock and roll. And Resurrection Band is basically part of the grandfathers of rock, Christian rock and roll. Okay, They were the pioneers, some of the pioneers. Of, I mean, down, straight up, flat out, definitely some of the forefathers. One of the main ones, anyway. Them, Larry Norman, and some other guys. Um, Daryl Mansfield, some other people, you know. Anyway, so, he goes, Ice is up. Yeah, uh, it's kind of late, and they just came off tour and getting ready to go back. Uh, like, they got to leave tomorrow. They're probably crashed. He says, well, can you try to wake him up? I said, sure. So I went upstairs, uh, knocked on the door. I put the guy on hold, went upstairs, knocked on the door. Uh, Glenn? Uh, Glenn? Nobody answered. I'm like, crap. Johnny Heron's room's right next to him. Johnny Heron was a hunter. The drummer, so I knocked on his door. Johnny? Uh, Johnny? No, no. Oh, crap. Nobody's answering the door. So I went down to Stu Heiss's, knocked on his. I went down to Roy Montrose, knocked on his. Nobody's answering the doors. I'm like, crap. They're all asleep. The whole floor was quiet, right? And I'm figuring, there was nobody up up there. So I went back downstairs, you know. I mean, that community is busy, and everybody works, and everybody's tired, so they go to bed, you know, they go to bed, they go to bed, they're out, so, I went back downstairs, I got the phone, I said, I can't wake them up, man, they're all crashed out, he goes, everybody, I go, everybody, and he goes, I go, even the whole community, actually, is crashed out in this building, I said, we've got a couple other buildings, but there's no, they're not over there, I said, they're in this building, I said, and they're crashed, and he says, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, 
He goes, well, do you know anything about Christian rock and roll? And I says, uh-huh. <laughs> I know almost everything about it. You know, I started laughing. <laughs> Sorry. Whew, just touched a heartstring there. Mm, mm, mm. Whew, doggies. Get it under control. Okay, so I said, yeah, I do. And uh, <laughs> Whew. give me a second here. Give my composure. Okay, so anyway, um, so um, I was sitting here talking to the guy. So this guy says, he goes, I got this guy on the phone. We're going to do this uh, crossway interview, kind of like Dueling Banjo saying he's, he's anti-rock and roll, Christian rock and roll, and you're going to be pro. And I said, all right, no problem. So, boom, he hit me with the questions, and we got on the air together, and bam, we started talking. And this guy, I didn't know the guy's name, didn't know who he was. He told me his name, but it went right over my head. I was like, well, that's all I heard. You know, so I'm talking to the guy. The guy starts talking to me, and we're talking back and forth, and, you know, and uh, about in the middle of his, his uh, spew, uh, his toxic, pukey spits crap that he's spitting out of his mouth, all religious and crap, he's all, and I'm like, Dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. If it wasn't for Christian rock and roll, I never would have went to church. Because when I was a teenager, I got kicked out by you idiots. Basically. I didn't say that idiot. I didn't call me idiots. But I raised my voice. I said, man, if it wasn't for Christian rock and roll, I would never have put my foot in the doorway of a church ever because of the way they treated me when I was a kid. I said, there's just no freaking way. And then I said, besides, I said, and I started talking to him. And I said, he goes, oh, yeah, well, share. And so I did. And I laid it out. I was totally cool about it, being very humble. But I laid it out. And what I laid out to him was a nice, big, giant, huge plate. A huge table of food that he could eat. It was my testimony. I went to a concert, couple concerts here in Boise. One of them was a Striper concert. They were, actually, they were taking Himmel songs and, take, and you know, rock and rolling them up. I said, and I said to him, I said, listen, let me ask you something. When does this become a devil? I'm going to give you a beat, right? Okay? When does that become demonic when i go boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom is that when it becomes demonic come on give me a break man i said this beat rhythm it's all numbers anyway mathematical numbers anyway if you, uh, so satan's a mathematician you know and i just started going off on him like this finally i got to the point where i started leveling with him about the love of god and i said if it wasn't for those guys i never would have experienced the love of god in my life ever i was sitting in my room listening to uh, an album that i'd picked up and it was a res band album it was um uh, not Rainbow's in, but the next one they did. I can't remember that next one. The second, it was their second album. I was sitting listening to it, and I, I was just completely blown away. You know, I've always called myself a warrior of light because I don't like the darkness. I don't like, I don't like people raping people. I don't like people, people freaking hurting people. I don't like that. I mentioned rape because I've had some bad things happen to me in the past, and um, some bad things happened to some friends of mine too as well. I'm here in this city, Boise, Idaho. It's supposed to be a nice, quiet little place, but it's not. It wasn't quiet when I was growing up. It was pretty much hell on earth, but um, yeah. And so I started living with him about the love of God. And I opened up my heart and I started talking to him about Jesus. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, whoo, doggies. <laughs> this whole story is a trip, man, I'm telling you. Because um, uh, the fruition of the story didn't come, didn't come to fruition until later on about three or four years later. But um, I'm sitting there uh, talking to him about Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. Boo doggies, this one's going to go longer. Okay, guys? But uh, it's how it is, man. It's how it is. 
So I'm sitting here talking to you about Jesus and about his love and whew, just about, you know, and what he used, the fishing lure that he used to hook me, you know, to bring me in closer to God, to bring me in closer to him and show me that God is love. And by the time I got done, this man goes, well, I told him at the end of the, when I said it, I said, you don't even know what I look like. I'm saying I got hair cleared out of my ass, dude. I'm wearing leather coat, chains on my freaking coat. I got freaking leather boots on. I look like a freaking biker and a hippie and a freaking metalhead all at the same time. And I love metal music. I love rock and roll. I love it all. I'm a rocker, man. That's how it is. I couldn't even stand country western, but the reason why is because of some of the crap that happened to me from the cowboys around here, and the fact that I got tired of listening to you know, it just used to grab me. I appreciate it now, but back then I didn't. Couldn't stand it. Cowboys were like always picking on me and trying to be a bully to me and jump me and freaking beat me a few times. I got jumped in my own house, man, a few times. I've had people break into my house just to beat me up. No one know why. Never did, actually. Well, one person, I didn't know why, but that guy flattened his face, so. Um, and then he came back the next time with his two friends, and I fucked them both up, too. You don't fuck around with a guy when he's sleeping, man, especially if he knows what he's doing when he's fighting. And uh, that son of a bitch, I don't care. He, he outweighed me by 45 pounds, and I still knocked his ass across the fucking house. Whooped him like he's a little freaking pound. Because he fucking came into my house and stole from me, and I, and I gave him the chance to walk out, and he jumped me. And then he came back to jump me the next night while we were asleep. I've had I've had this crap happen to me a lot. It doesn't happen anymore. I guess I got rid of all the bullies. But it used to happen a lot. So, you know, after a while, you get good at freaking keeping one eye open when you're sleeping. I got my eye open when I'm sleeping. That guy's in there sleeping with one eye open. What the hell is up with that? I don't know, man, but if he stares at you, it's kind of weird, ain't it? You know, uh, you know I'm seeing this shit like that, man. Um, guys, baseball bats fucking came and broke into my mom's house while we were playing poker one night in the, in the kitchen. Just, I don't pity any poker, just kicking back. Came in with baseball bats and started swinging them at us. I took a baseball bat to the ribs, to the back, and uh, before I got the bat away from the dude and busted his head with it, I, I got hit a few times. I almost got the shit kicked out of me with it. I mean, it almost took me out, man. When he hit me in the ribs, I, I thought I was dead. Knocked the breath out of me, man. I fucking broke a couple ribs. That's a pretty rough stuff happened. But I still, I still told him right after I was done beating the shit out of him, I love you, and I'm sorry that I had to kick your ass, but you, you, you brought it on yourself. And um, I'm going to talk to you right now about the love of God. Yeah, man, why not use that time for evangelism? You know? I mean, I didn't have anything against him other than the fact that he was trying to beat me up and I had to defend myself. And when I defend myself, it clicked into a different mode. Like a whole different person comes out. I'm still in control, but it's a whole different, whole different Daniel. I don't like that Daniel. But that Daniel has to be used sometimes just to stay alive. So you can make it another day. So you can experience God's love another day. That's really what it's about, you guys. Experiencing God's love every day. And you'll build a testimony. So I'm talking to this guy and telling him, you know what, I look like it's up And he's like, you got started going, oh, well, uh, 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 and I says, listen, man, it's flat out like this. If it wasn't for Christian rock and roll, I wouldn't know God's love in my life. I wouldn't know Jesus at all. And he goes, son, I perceive right now that you love your Jesus. And he goes, and he said to I'm going to have to rethink all this. I just don't know what to say about it. I'm going to have to rethink this whole thing. He says, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And the, guy goes, and the radio host goes, well, that's time for our show. That's the end. And boom, we're done, right? So I just let it go in. Well, well, a few years later, I come back to Idaho, about four years later. And I'm uh, sitting here watching TV and watching something on TV. And uh, 
Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I forgot a part of the story. So, okay, about, about a year and a half later, Glenn Kaiser calls me into his office. Now, when you get called into Glenn's office, he's one of the elders, one of the main elders, um, and he's really um, mostly quiet, and he's really stern, and when you get called into his office, you're usually in trouble. He called me in there, and me and the brothers were sitting out in the hallway. Actually, we were messing around. We were messing around with our, We had some squirrels, and we were messing around with our squirrels and, uh, you know, play with our squirrels and stuff. Uh, we, we found a nest of squirrels in the building, and we adopted the baby squirrels because the mom was going to kill them, and, you know, so we go back, so, you know, so the roofers had to move a squirrel ass off the roof, and, you know, it's a whole thing. So, um, so each of us got a squirrel, so we were out there messing with our squirrels and playing around with them in the hallway, right? And then, and, and he goes, Daniel, come here. I like, uh-oh. And everybody looks at me, oh, shit, you're in trouble, dude. So I got up, and I walked into his office, he closed the door, and then what I heard about now, okay, oh, crap, he closed the door, he's really in trouble. So I was like, I thought, oh, crap, he goes, have, have a seat. So I'm sitting in his office, now Glenn's office is full of cassette tapes at the time, because he was listening to... People send him music, you know, young Christians send him music, and he kind of has a ministry there to, you know, help shepherd over them a little bit and stuff. And, and he had quite a quite a job there. And he listened to music, new music, and he was also the guy that listened to music for the Cornerstone Festival, which we did every year, uh, which is a huge, giant Christian festival. It's out in the Midwest and down in Florida, too, as well. Um, and uh, they do, it's in Bushnell, Illinois, and in Florida somewhere. I remember John Heron's still doing it, but... Uh, it's a huge Christian festival, man. Um, lots, uh, thousands and thousands of people come there from all over the world, and uh, and it's it's just music ministry, and uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of teaching and stuff that happens, a lot of uh, music and a lot of engagement. There's also merchandising things like that. you can buy T-shirts and tapes and stuff, and, and you get I got man, I got to meet a lot of freaking bands, a lot of bands, got to make friends with a lot of people all over the world, man. Through there, it was really cool, and so um, yeah, it's one of the crossroads of the world, and you know, concerts like that are. So anyway, I'm, uh, so it was really cool. So um, so he's 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 talking to me and he goes uh he puts his tape in and he goes listen to this and he listens I listen to it and he goes that's you. It was an interview. <laughs> Sorry, he just who doggies? I haven't talked about this for a long time. <laughs> oh damn! I thought oh crap I'm in trouble right? I'm sitting there listening to this tape and he goes that's you right? And I go yeah he goes just listen. So I listen for a few minutes and he turned it off. He goes um. And he stands up, and he goes, stand up, that's all right, and he goes, come here, and he puts his arms around, and he goes, thank you so much, and I said, for what, and he goes, that was Jerry Falwell, that you were talking to on the phone, and he backed off of us, he was, damn, man, that was the guy that was mainly against them, he backed off of him, and wrote him a letter, and told him he was sorry, and freaking opened his church up for, uh, for, uh, youth ministry, brought rock and roll bands in for the youth ministry side of his, his, uh, uh his church organization, right, and I was like, wow. Okay. Well, I still didn't know who he was talking about, right, until about four years later. You know, about three years after that, about three years later. So I got home, and I was here home. I was sitting in the living room watching TV one day, and I was and I was watching TV. I just clicked through the channels. I stopped there for a second to see what they were talking about. And, and all of a sudden, they said, Jerry Falwell has passed away today. And I was like, what? Jerry Falwell, who's that? And they showed a picture of him, and then I went, boom! Freaking knocked me out of my chair. I was like, what the? <laughs> stood up and went, that was him? I know who that guy is. I remembered him from TV. I remember him watching, preaching, blah, 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 fire, and brimstone, everybody's going to die, because God thanks you, and, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, boy, he had a change of heart, man, and I didn't know it was him. And I had no clue still until that point what was going on, until that point. And then when it all hit me, I about fell down on the cliff. I fell down. Got my knees up right Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Woo, doggies. Thank you, Jesus. Took a wretch like me and used me to to open this man's heart up. See, that guy wouldn't let his youth have any fun. Kids gotta have fun, man. God, I'm an adult and I gotta have fun. You know? I guess I'm still a kid, really. In a lot of ways, because, um, 
some areas I refuse to grow up in because I ain't gonna lose that kid side of me. There ain't no way I'm losing that because I'm gonna laugh, clear, I'm gonna laugh in the grave, man. I'm gonna land in the grave. <laughs> anyway, what's so funny? Oh, I was just remembering a cartoon. <laughs> you know, I was just remembering something funny that happened. One of my friends, you know, I just remember something good. Just remember the good times, you know. Kids gotta have fun, man. When I was a Boy Scout, we used to go up in the mountains and, and up here in Idaho. Idaho's got some serious mountains, man, and uh, we get up there in the we call it the thick of it. We go up there in the thick of it, and we'd all have a good old time, right? Catching snakes and stuff like that, fishing, boy scouting and stuff, rolling rocks, big old boulders on the side of mountains and stuff. That was one of my favorite things to do. Still is. Got a lot of friends that are like that too. I meet people all over the country that are like that when they come to the mountains. They're like, don't you just love rolling rocks? Though? I thought boulders like big ones. Said, yeah. Me and one of my buddies rolled this one big boulder down. I mean, it took both of us. It was huge, you know. I mean, we were all of our streak. Man, when it went down, it took out some trees and stuff. It was cool. It just, just leaving the trail. We used to like to do all that stuff, you know. Well, the thing is, I still like doing that. I haven't done that for a while, but um, you know, you go up there on the side of the mountain where ain't nobody at and ain't nobody there, and you start rolling stuff down. It's kind of fun watching them, you know. It's things like that, you know. Catching snakes. Snakes and boys like to do fishing, you know, swimming in the river. We get in the rivers, man. Uh, the, the, the the mountain rivers are pretty good size, not too big, but not too deep. But we get in there and we, we body surf down the rivers, you know. You go with the current stuff, body surfing in the rivers, always fun. Stuff like that. Other things, too, you know. Play video games, that's all right, you know. I did a little bit of that. Play a lot of other kinds of games, board games, stuff like that. Just stuff kids like to do, you know. Sitting around playing uh, tag or war. You know, we, when I was growing up, it was uh, always on TV. It was the, the Indians and the and the and the war, and the cavalry, you know, or something like that. We we did, you know, we get into dirt clod fights. We did all kinds of stuff, you know. One time we made this uh, made these giant slingshots out of uh, inner tubes from our ten speed tires on our bikes. You know, the little ten speed tires. I mean, we took a, not the tires but the tubes. Took two. Okay, you got two giant, huge fifty-five gallon drums on one side, two fifty-five gallon drums on the other side. Stuck a freaking inner tube around it. Stuck another inner tube. Cut one inner tube. Stick it in between there and turn it into a giant rubber band. Put our feet on that thing. Pull it back. Put some horse chestnuts in that sucker and pull it back. And let it go. Well, I tell you, you want to talk about a slingshot? <laughs> I got hit with some of those one time. I had three of them in the leg. Oh man, they fuckers hurt. I was watching them things. We'd fire them things. They go right through the wood on the other floor across the field from us. We had a field out in front of our house. We used to play in. At uh, trees down here at the other end of it, which is uh, which we, uh, we built a fort in there, two story fort, and now there's a two story hotel there. Kind of interesting, huh? How kids can be so prophetic in their doings without even knowing it. Did you guys catch that? God can use you in so many ways. And I know there's some of you guys that are, are listening to this going, oh, no, you know, I really wish God would use me. You know, somebody's going to pick this podcast up and they're going to go, and I hope this inspires you because this is what this part, this is what these podcasts are all about. About building you up, man. Building you up in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, the Christ. The Christ, the only Christ there is. God's only beloved son. Only begotten son. God's only begotten son. Another story, one more and we'll get off this broadcast, okay? Okay, so, a few years go by and I'm, I'm working down in Garden City at a church and I'm down there. And I'm doing some ministry. Uh, I've been there for a few, couple of years and I... Couple switched different ministries around, but I was also on the worship team. As a matter of fact, that was quite wonderful. I was on quite a few worship teams there. <laughs> Got to play with a bunch of them too. I was playing hand drums, so they were like, "Hey, come play with us, okay? Yeah, you know, I'm a little noise maker." I still do. I sat here and gate. I got these uh, these uh, skewers. They're uh, 
the bamboo skewers for uh, cooking stuff, you know. But I don't like using bamboo. I use steel ones. But, you know, I took those skewers out and I was tapping on the gate one day and I realized that the gate was making different tones and then the tones were killing it. And so I started doing some songs on it. So I go out there every other day or so and sit there and tap on the top of the gate. It's, it's a chain link fence with a with a little ornament on top of it. And that little ornament's got different tones on it. And I'll tell you what, man, got some cool round robins going on with that thing. But sit on Just like that, man. So you can do that all day, man. I love doing that. Different taps, different rhythms, different beats. And, um, you know, I like that. I like noises, like sound like that. I like the percussion stuff. The auxiliary percussion I like a lot. Yeah, I just love that stuff, right? Walk around the house all day singing, drive everybody up the knoll. Walk around the house all day humming, drive everybody up the wall. They'll hum too. Don't drive me up the wall. Drive them up the wall. I'm like one day. They're like, yeah, you're getting tired of this crap. You gotta stop that. I'm like, you know, yeah, I think that you'd be, you know, you'd be blessed having somebody in the house that's so happy and singing all the time instead of miserable and spitting puke all over everybody, like y'all do. <laughs> Come on, that's food for thought. Don't be afraid to sing. Don't be afraid to hum. Don't be afraid to be happy. It's a miserable freaking planet we live on. Didn't you realize that? Most people are miserable. You know, misery loves company, but you know what? Hates joy for some reason. I don't know why. But I'll tell you what, if misery got a hold of joy, and it turned, oh, God forbid it would ever turn to joy. <laughs> Just give me a break, man. Joy is a good thing. Joy of the Lord's our strength. Joy itself is a fruit of the Spirit. Mm. So what's misery? It's not a fruit of our Spirit. It's not a fruit of the Spirit of God. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. No, it's pretty much an act of the devil, if you want to put it that way. Or leans into darkness, if you want to put it that way. Still get attacked by demons, but we'll get on to that one. Maybe the next two broadcasts, because uh, i got some cool stories to tell on that one here. Just that it's happened just for the last few weeks. Um, yeah, still going on, and guess what? They're still getting hit with that freaking hatchet, too. They don't like it, either. They don't like it at all. When I, I sleep with that thing, man, I hold it up in the air and I say, I'm going to bed now. You get the hell out of my fucking house and don't come back, you demons. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. And then you come near me, I will hit you with this and it will hurt. And they don't mess with me. <laughs> they haven't been messing with me. They'll stand off. Every once in a while, though, if I forget to sleep with that hatchet, man, they'll jump on me. But I still start swinging at them, hitting them with my fists. They freaking freak out, man. And then my body gets up and starts swinging in the air. Crazy, huh? Pretty crazy. Yep, still out of the body, having doing some cool stuff, traveling around. Different man, I was in some cool around, cool around last night, way cool around. Oh my gosh, saw some people I hadn't seen in a long time, and they were happy to see me. I was happy to see them. It was one of them good ones, one of them really cool dudes. Where you going, wow, that was a good one. Where you wake up laughing, going, oh man, I rocked, man, woohoo, good mood today. If you want to have a good mood when you wake up in the morning, go to sleep laughing, and you will wake up in a good mood. If you don't. Keep doing it, and then eventually you have a breakthrough, and you will. Okay, so I'm in Garden City. I'm working out here in Boise. Uh, Boise's, uh, Garden City's a little subsidiary of uh, su- a, su- a suburb of Boise, and um, it's in the heart of Boise. It's surrounded. Boise surrounds it. It started off, but I don't go into the history too much, but it was a place where the Chinese lived. The Chinese did live here, and they helped build Boise. They also, there was a lot of underground tunnels here. They uh, boarded them up back in the 80s, but uh, we used to hang out in the 70s. You know? They go all the way from Boise to Garden City. A lot of people don't know that. Garden City, there's uh, in some of the bars down in Garden City, or one of the bars actually is still there, because the other ones are, are stores now. And they closed the tunnels over. My, my cousin owned one of the bars down there, and in that bar was a door that goes down into the city, but it was all boarded up, and cemented in. But it was one of the ones that was into the tunnel. I know because we came up through that one 
one time in the bar where kids, they freaked out. The bartender was like, what the hell? How'd you kids get in here? Uh, there? Get out of here! Then <laughs> we had to walk back, you know. Walk back. We wouldn't let us go back through the tunnel, but we had to walk back. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Tunnels, you know, they used to be lit and everything. But anyway, Capitol Building was one of the places where we go in at because it was really easy. It was not too far from our house. We go down to Capitol Boulevard and go into the tunnels from there. There was other entrances too, but they're all boarded up now. Rocked over, boarded up, cemented in, covered over with dirt and you know, hundred pounds, hundred pounds of dirt and then a bunch of freaking concrete and stuff, you know, because they put parking lots in some of those places and stuff. Anyway, long story short, so then Garden City, I'm working. I'm down there. Garden City used to be a beautiful place. It, it's getting beautiful now because we're doing some rebuilding, but you know, for a while it was in scope. So I mean, I was in the in-between period. So I'm down there and working back in 2000. Um, and uh, by 2001, this guy shows up at my door and he uh, starts talking to me. I wanted to come in. He had a stern look on his face like he was going to kick my ass. I thought, oh, crap. He's bigger than me. It's going to take me a little bit to kick this guy's ass if I have to. I don't really don't want to fight anybody. But if I have to, I'm ready. And he goes, can I come in? I go, uh, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm a minister. I can let the guy in the door if he wants to come in, you know. So, yeah, come on in. Then. You know, I don't want to hit nobody, but come on, man. I'm not going to back down. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a pussy either. You know, turn the other cheek. I'll turn the other cheek and knock you out with my foot. <laughs> you know, if you, if you hit me, I'll give you one shot. That's it. You get one. After that, you might not even get that one. That may just, like, move out of the way. Whew, okay. One more. Whew, okay, wham, you're dead. <laughs> you know, um. I just, I, just, I, just, I just don't play around anymore. I got beat up too many damn times. You know, my, my knee-jerk reaction is to fight back, you know, instead of letting somebody beat me up because I just get tired of getting hurt, get tired of getting put in the hospital, get tired of broken bones, you know. So anyway, I, but I still love you, and I'll still talk to you about God, you know. I don't take no offense to getting in a fight with anybody. I never do. I don't know why everybody takes offense when I beat them up. Why? I've been beat up, beat that crap out of me. I still don't take offense to all that. You know, what I take offense to is hypocrisy in my face. It fucking trashes my whole freaking life. It takes stuff away from me that I've been building on. You know what? Don't let anybody give you anything for your life. Get it from God. That way it won't be taken away from you. Because when people take it away, it really hurts, man. Because they're right there in your face. God don't take it. He doesn't do that. He didn't give you something to take it back. No, but you can, you can actually lose it if you don't use it. Jesus said that about, his, about gifts. Use your gifts. What do I think I walk around singing all day? So I got more songs coming. We're walking around playing play music uh, with my hands, uh, tapping on stuff. So I, I got more of that coming, and more comes. Prophesying, same thing. Uh, speaking in tongues, like a house, like like a house on fire. Been doing it for years, and the more I do it, the more it comes. You know, it's just made straight up. Jesus's multiplication table. It's right there in the Gospels. So anyway, so this guy comes in. Now he's a hockey player. No knowing from Adam, but he tells me I play for the Boise Steelheads. So I'm like, oh yeah, there's some protein we have here. They're good. I've been down there seeing you guys' games. He goes, I'm the goalie. I said, well, what, really? He goes, yeah. And he was the goalie. He goes, you remember that girl that you got out at the airport? She was sitting in a wheelchair, and you got out of your car, and you gave her a Bible? And I go, yeah. Okay, here's the story. What happened was I went up to drop a friend off at the, at the he was working on John, John Jacobs' power team, a buddy of mine, Mitch Hodge. Hey, Mitch, what you doing, buddy? Woo-hoo. I love you, man. Miss you. He lives over in Berlin over here, so I don't see him very much anymore. But, yeah, he's a big guy, big, strong guy, man. Like, man, this dude's strong. 600-pound bench, 600-pound Actually, a 715-pound squat. Yeah, I know. I've spotted him. <laughs> and I'm a little guy. So he did it all. He's lifted it all. He has to put on a suit so he didn't explode, his, explode himself. But uh, he learned how to do it, man. He got stuck at about five-something on his bench. Uh, he was doing, you know, reps. He was doing freaking sets of 10 on 550. He's strong, man. I've been doing it for years. You know, and anyway, um, 
he got stuck, and this guy showed him how to get past it. Put on a suit, man, and did it. So anyway, so he go around the country breaking breaking steel over his face, break, you know, break, ripping phone books, breaking bats, and and bending steel, cold rolled steel even. I know. I got some bars for him one time. They didn't have any hot rolled. They had cold. He goes, oh crap, he's gonna be harder, man. I got a picture of him on my wall with a steel bar out there in his arms. I, <laughs> got that thing in his teeth with a rag with a towel wrapped around it. He bent it over his face, man. Crazy. Ooh, crazy. Gotta excuse me. He's a good friend. Damn, really miss him. <laughs> Who down you see anyway? I dropped him off at the airport, and there was a girl sitting in a wheelchair. And the Lord says, "I want you to, I want you to get out and talk to her." And I said, "Okay," but this is after I passed her, so I had to loop back around. I come back around. I had no idea what I was gonna say to her. He goes, "I want you to take your Bible you got right there." And, you know, you have some things marked out in there. I want you to give that Bible to her. And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, come on. It's my little pocket Bible that I sit and read, you know. I was reading that pocket Bible and confessing it over myself when God touched my shoulder and put it back in the socket and healed it while I was doing therapy on it after I ripped it out of the freaking socket uh, doing construction work. And I fell off a roof. I didn't fall off the roof. I fell through some rafters. And I happened to catch the rafter. I, I got quick reflexes. I caught the rafter with my hand, the last rafter, but it ripped my And it was either that or fall back on, on my back onto a pile of rubble which was actually two by four ends and stuff like that was piled up in the garage yeah man I would have broke my back for sure and um, I caught that rafter right at the last second slipped when I was coming off that fucker man I just went to step off on the top plate when you're coming down to, you know coming down to freaking tower rafters I killed the tire you didn't have any sheeting over the roof man over those freaking rafters and I just didn't step and wham missed top plate my foot slipped off the truss at the same time and I went down and freaking caught that freaking thing and it ripped my shoulder out of socket so it, it fucked me up pretty bad uh, for a while, God healed it. Miracle healing right there in the clinic. Everybody heard it and everybody saw it and everyone went back. I was doing 20-pound reps. I was doing 20-pound uh, pull-downs. I was doing lap pull-downs with 20 pounds of weight. Okay, that's all I could do at the time. Now, right before that, 150 pounds. I could sit down and do lap pull-downs with 150 pounds. Sets 10, 150 pounds. Yeah, I ain't kidding you either. I'm not, I'm not lying about any of this either. There's no lie. There's no reason to. I ain't getting nothing out of it. But you can ask my buddies, man. I'm a little guy, but I can pull down, man. I could pull down pretty good. They got strong lats, and I was thinking I had been working on them for years. Twenty pounds was like frustrating me. I sat down. That's over at BSU. Sat down at the end of there by both goalposts, and I was reading my Bible, and I had opened up to uh, to this stuff on faith in James and, uh, and some other ones where I had marked it out. I was just reading my faith. I got up and went back in there. As Jesus said, and I read this. Jesus said, "If you believe, you receive. You'll have what you ask for in prayer." I says, "I believe, and I do. I receive my healing right now." And I walked back in there, and I reached up, sat down to do that, and I, and I pulled down, and I went pop so loud everybody in the room heard. They were across the freaking room, about 40 feet, 50 feet, and they could hear it. 25 yards, 30 yards down the room, they could hear it. Cleared out the freaking end of the room at 75 yards, they could hear it. It's a big room, it's a big area, a big therapy area. They could hear it, and my, that's where my therapist was at, and he went, what happened? He comes over and he goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, God just healed my shoulder. I go, I can't believe this. I sat there and I put, I had 20 pounds there, I went to 50 pounds, went to 75 pounds, 85 pounds, 100 pounds, 120 pounds, and I said, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> I pulled 120 pounds out, I said, I don't have to come back here. So I went out there, and I finally got to release from the doctor a couple days later, but he's like, yeah, it's completely, I'd ripped my labrum, so my shoulder socket was like moving in and out of the socket. It was just moving around on its own. The labrum is what keeps your shoulder ball, the ball of your shoulder in the socket, in the place. I ripped it, I tore it, and I was going to have surgery on it. I didn't want to have to go cutting on me, man. So anyway, but, so this hockey player, 
So I get out of the, so I get out, back to the hockey player store. So I get out of the car and I go, I see the girl, I get out of the car. Now, it would have been really f- interesting if I would have walked up there and said to her, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk, and stood her up out of a wheelchair and got her to walk, right? Well, the thing is, I didn't know, she just went out there to have a cigarette. She didn't, she was, I thought she was actually in the wheelchair permanently, but she never told me that. What had happened is her and her boyfriend were inside the, the airport and they had a big fight about direction they were going in. He wanted to keep stay, stay here and play another season of hockey because he needs that under his belt. Then he's going to come and go to college with her and then we're going to go back somewhere back in the Midwest to go, go to school. But she want, needed to go right now because they lost their place to live. He was okay because he could live with some of his friends on the hockey team, but she couldn't. And so she, they were having an argument about it and she needed some space to go think and she came outside and all I did was told her what the Lord told me to tell her when I opened my mouth up to speak and I had no idea what I was going to say before it happened. And this happens to me a lot. God's had me actually chase people down in traffic People I don't even know turn around, and follow that red truck. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm a, I'm talking like I had to do you in the middle of the street, and it's illegal here to do that. But man, you know, God tells you to do it. Do you know? You to follow somebody, and you're like, eh, how am I going to calculate this and catch up with them? It's either speed like a crazy maniac, which I can do. I don't no problem with that. I can drive slalom through traffic with no issues. You know, um, I don't have any issues with that. Speed, you know, speed a lot. So yeah, oh, oh, just told myself, well, I'm a speeder. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I love going fast in cars, man taking corners as fast as you can. I mean, wow, well, I took a good corner today, man. Had to. Was hauling ass down the freaking road. Had to catch this light, man. We're going to turn in the corner. I said, Carrie, hold on. My brother's in there. I said, hold on. We're going to hit this one fast. And I punched it right through the light. And went right around the corner. I hit the gas just the right time. And went, shotgun around the corner. Ran down the road. Then it slowed down. And then a cop went by. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Carrie goes, man, the car corner's good. And I'm like, yeah, it does. The corner's real good. I love that car. Anyway, uh, on we go. So, I got out of the car, and I walked up to her, and I kneeled down in front of her, and I said, God told me to come and talk to you. And she goes, okay. And she had a curious look on her face. And she says, just a second, she took a drag off her cigarette and put it out. She goes, sorry about that. I go, no, no, no issues. I have no issues at all with anything. And then what came out was, you know, trust the Lord. And I started talking to her. And I, was, and I just told her what he told me that he was showing me that was going on on her heart. And it had to do with them separating. And I had no idea he was in there. In there, and it just happened. But I told her what was going to happen in the future, that she needed to take this path because she was unsure. And then it was okay. And so she did. So when he shows up a year later to talk to me, I'm thinking, he goes, you remember, you don't know me, but I'm the, I'm the boyfriend of the girl you talked to. And I thought, oh, fuck, what did I say? I'm going to get my ass kicked now by a hockey player. You know, these guys are tough, man. I know some hockey players. They're not, they're not fucking, they're tough guys, man. No missing teeth, broken finger, broken bone, you know, freaking... And then and one guy, Paul Mackey, he says, I says, I got real close to Paul Mackey. And he says to me, he goes, I love Paul Mackey. He goes, he goes uh, I go, you, when you guys are playing hockey, you guys, they teach you to fight. He goes, hell yeah, they encourage it. He goes, they teach us and encourage it. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to get my ass kicked. You know what I'm thinking? So, anyways, he sits down. He goes, you know, he goes, you don't know me from Adam. He goes, I'm, I'm you know, he tells me his name. And then he says, um, I, which I don't remember at this point. I remember his first name was Michael. But, and uh, we're sitting there talking. And he, he told me, he goes, how did you know? How did you know? Cause you, she, when she came in, she came, got out, she came back in. I left. I gave her my Bible and left. She came back in and she was jumping up and down and excited and, and just completely confident. Now, when she left him, they were ragging on each other big time. They had a big blowout fight, man. I mean, it was almost to the point where she almost slapped him in the face. She, he says to me, she goes, we were about ready to throw down at each other, man, because we were freaking really arguing about this situation. Give me a second. I got to move my... I had to move my mic back a little bit. It's touching the chair. So I, I said to him, I go... I goes, God. And he goes, what do you mean? And so I sat there and explained to him, you know, to open the scriptures up to the, pro- the areas of the words of knowledge, word of wisdom, stuff like that. Things I seen, you know, Jesus moved in the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, stuff like that. 
I mean, just look at the, you know, even those, those gifts, discernment, all that stuff. Those are all, those are all in him, and he used every one of them. You don't see him speaking in tongues or anything like that, but, you know, why does he need to? He's the Lord. But women in the word of knowledge, that's for other people. Tongues is between you and God, usually. Unless you interpret it, or unless I have another story to tell, I have another broadcast about singing in tongues and what happened when I was singing in tongues one time, and there was no interpretation, but the Holy Spirit actually sang a song to the lady in her own language, which I didn't know her language. She was, she was from Pakistan. I didn't know Pakistani. Farsi, whatever it is, I, she didn't know it. She heard a song that I was singing to God. I was singing in the Holy Spirit. had no idea that he would take that and translate that into a song that she heard when she was a little kid that reminded her of her parents. I'll tell you about that in another broadcast. We're almost ready to wrap this one up, though. So this goes. So we're sitting there talking. I showed him a scripture. showed about Jesus. You know, we're moving in word and all this stuff like that. And, and he said, and he goes, and we had come to a point where we stopped talking. And he, was, he goes, I know I'm here for a reason. I said, you're here to give your life to Jesus. And he goes, I know. I realized that just now. And he go, I go, will you, do, you want to pray, for, pray with me? And he goes, yeah. So I got to lead him to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He goes, I'm Catholic, but I don't know God. I was raised religiously, but I don't know God. And I want to. And that gift you have is powerful because it all worked out. And it's been a year now she's back and we're going to go back together, back to school. And it all worked out. Somehow God worked all that out. And he goes, and it's got my attention and I can't let it go. He said, I've been dwelling on it for the last year and I've been wanting to talk to you for a year, a year but I've been scared because I didn't know what to expect. And I said, man, brother... I thought when you showed up here and you had a certain look on your face, I thought I was getting my ass kicked. He goes, he stood up and started laughing. He goes, no, not at all. He goes, I was scared, man. He goes, I didn't know what to expect when you opened up your door. And so I did not know what to expect. And he goes, but now, he goes, I have Jesus in my heart. I have God's love in my heart. And he goes, I just want to thank you. And I said, no, man. Thank the Lord because he's the one that did it all. It's all about him. It's all Jesus. He does it all. He moves through us. His spirit is mighty. And he moves through us. He is the mighty Lord. And he will use you if you're open to it. This is my broadcast. You guys have a great day. Peace out, baby. Bye-bye. Yee-hoo! Rev DDT, Universal Broadcast. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.